Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. Uh, I am uh, solo again. Uh, me or Frank may get fired, although I am the boss uh, from being gone too much. But uh, Frank, I think, will be back on the mic tomorrow. Today, I've got a longtime friend and uh, kind of a unique, I may say unique, a little bit unique in the uh, person in the outdoor world, especially where he lives and what he gets to do, uh, Tyler Friel. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem, man. Unique's a, a kind way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's unique. You can handle the cold like you do. Good God, I'd die up there. You're out of, of Fairbanks for those who don't uh, know, which, well, what's the temperature today up there? Uh, it's actually pretty warm. It's like 20 degrees right now. And uh, it's been like, I don't know, hanging at my house, hanging between 10 and 15 lately. It was kind of a warm fall and then the bottom, you know, eventually as all has happened the bottom kind of dropped out of it so now it's more normal temperatures but uh yeah so it's i don't know doesn't bother me too much although by april it's getting pretty old <laughs> oh yeah for for sure i uh i've got buddies that have lived up there that have told me like dude it seems really cool but don't go you hate the cold because it's like 10 months of pain for two months of fun basically uh you know three months of fun um you know, as far as weather oh, goes. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it can really, I don't know, it can be be pretty rough on you. I don't know, I think the biggest thing as far as cold for me is just in long winters is just being out and doing stuff kind of, as long as you can keep occupied, as like cliche as that sounds, it really does make a difference. Oh, Which yeah. I got to say, I think today's, I think today's going to be a good day. I already shot a fox and it wasn't even five o'clock in the morning yet. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you run trap lines, uh, all, uh, all winter long, which, um, you know, is obviously a bit of a lost art down here in the lower 48. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever people look down upon that shit. I mean, I, I grew up trapping. I'm by certainly, I'm by no means a professional at it, but, it is, uh, it is fun. And, uh, you know, being from Oregon or whatever, you know, bobcats were one of the bigger things. Um, but you, we, I mean, you trap all kinds of shit. Yeah. I mean, and I'm kind of like a, I'm, I, I would call myself a recreational trapper. I don't do it enough to like, you know, really make a lot of money. I mean, I can pay for my gas usually, but it's for me more than anything. It's just cause I really enjoy doing it and it gets me out in the woods. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll catch everything from, you know, weasels or ermine and marten to fox, lynx, wolves, stuff like that. It's funny you mention it down there because I was last time I was in Colorado, which I grew up down there. And I remember when they banned trapping down there, I was in uh, the fishing game or whatever they call it nowadays down their office. And I don't know, I was kind of prodding a little bit to see what kind of response I'd get. I'd I told the lady, I was like, man, it's such a shame that bands trapping down here and blah, blah. She didn't seem like she was much of a fan of it. She didn't want to overturn that, I don't think. No, it, it's, and you know, it, it seems like with the Department of Wildlife, depending upon who you talk to, um, and I think it's called, uh, is it called Park and Recreation now or something? But, you know, some of the, yeah. um, the, uh, I'm, there's a lot of, fish and wildlife or game wardens in Colorado that grew up hunting, but it seems like a lot of mm-hmm. the, the newer ones aren't hunters. They don't know anything about hunting or, or anything. Oh, I shouldn't say that, but 
not raised maybe the way that you and I were raised or weren't raised in a hunting family, which I don't oh, yeah, I, think is a good idea. But No, I, I know what you mean. Well, I, I think that job or that, you know, whether, I don't know, bio, you get anywhere from like the biologist to the enforcement, that, you know, fish and game type job attracts kind of two polar, it attracts people that love hunting and just want to spend more time out there and they're doing it because they, you know, and want to help people and whatnot, blah, blah. But, and then you get the, you know, it does attract the, the greenies a little bit as well. Yeah. You know, whether they think they can, they can fight you from the inside or they just, you know, it's because of a genuine love for the outdoors and they just happen to not like hunting, you know, I think you get both. No, for, for sure. And, You've been up in Alaska though for what fifteen years now, twenty years of a long time. I mean, um, over sixteen now. I think this year I made over half my life I've been up here. Yeah, and you got yeah. a you got a hell of a string of sheep going on. Did are you on your what? You went one year without getting one, didn't you? Out of the last twelve yeah, or thirteen. Yeah, I, I mean there was. Yeah, uh, let's see, two thousand sixteen, I didn't kill one because I, I mean. I passed myself out of shooting one. There was like three different legal ones we had in range at different times. And the only one of them, my buddy Frank Schultz got one, but, uh, that's the the one he shot was the only one I would have, I would have shot in that particular year. I was just trying to be picky and ended up passing myself out of sheep. But since that, it had been seven or eight years since I didn't get, since I didn't kill one. Yeah, you've got quite a string. And the the other thing, this is funny. This morning I saw, well, back back up a here. Uh, uh, Brian, Call and I got charged by a grizzly last year, and he posted a video uh, about it. And a guy asked uh, <laughs> a question about uh, the characteristics of a bluff charge. Or a, anyway, I was laughing because I'm thinking, why the hell are you asking Brian? Uh, what the hell, in, <laughs> in, including me, right? I'm not saying just Brian, like yeah. I've been, I've been bluff charged by three grizzly three times in my entire life. And, uh, you know, been around black bears so that didn't really count. Like I'm thinking this is what's wrong with social media. You shouldn't be asking Brian or me. You should probably ask somebody that lives <laughs> around fucking grizzlies, right? But you, you're killing those things with a stick bow out of a, of a blind. And you've been pretty successful with that, uh, the last few years, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I mean, and honestly, I've been, I've been, I've killed them all out of tree stands. I had, I quit sitting in a ground blind, um, for two reasons. A, because it's a little more safe. And the last time I sat in a ground blind was me and Nick Mookie for grizzlies. I'll sit in a ground blind for black bears all day long, but, um, me and Nick Mookie were in my stand and these, uh, a boar and sow grizzly came in got around behind us and then I mean shit kind of unraveled <laughs> I couldn't see him and he's Nick sitting to my left and I wanted to shoot the boar and he kind of motioned with his eyes that they were going to walk right by and this sow walked right by me like you know we just had you know old spruce limbs piled up I mean I could have reached out and poked her with my arrow but she walked she walked right by me and I'm thinking all right that boar is going to be right on her tail and as soon as he gets to where I'm out of his you know, out of his vision, I'll draw my bow and shoot him like five, 10 yards, whatever. And, uh, anyway, she walks by, he stayed behind us. So he's back there dicking around. 
she walks up and sits down at the bait and then he makes a noise and she turned around and I mean, we're directly between the two bears and just instant full charge. And, uh, you know, I was up shooting, so I had my recurve, my recurve and, uh, Nick had his, his recurve on the ground and he had the, he had the rifle. And I mean, she was, I think she started, she was 14 yards. And I mean, it's just like that, um, instant full charge, but I don't know about halfway to, you know, to ask the difference between a bluff charge and a real charge is, well, just don't wait there and don't do anything. And if they, if they <laughs> run into you, then it wasn't a bluff charge. Yeah. No, no but shit. Not, she, she freaking came, you know, about halfway to it. You could tell she was making up her mind and changing her mind. You know, I think sometimes they just react before they think. And, uh, she slammed on the brakes and her skid mark stopped one step in front of the blind, you know, so like maybe two yards. Yeah, and that's not she cool. hauled ass the other way. And then, uh, this other bear, he didn't know what the, what the fuck happened. So he comes around the left side and stops broadside four yards from Nick. And this was Nick's first grizzly experience. And, uh, stands there for a couple seconds and then takes off, gets our wind and leaves. And afterwards, I was like, why didn't she shoot him, man? Because, you know, was, and for those who don't know him, he's primarily bow hunter. And Nick but kills a lot of shit. I was like, why I didn't mean, she? Nick, Nick's yeah, a good hunter. Yeah, freaking is deadly. But uh, they just killed, I think, four blacktails the other day with their bows on Kodiak. But uh, anyway, so he runs I'm like, why the hell didn't she shoot? He's like, it never occurred to me to pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, on on the bore anyway. I was like, that was a nice bear, man. You had him, you know, four yards broadside. Was he laughing? But, no, that was. Yeah, dude. I I was kind of. I didn't know how he would react to it. I mean, he held his shit together pretty good. He was right on that sow the whole time. You know, I wasn't worried. It might have got pretty interesting when she come rolling in the blind. But uh, no, he after first first words out of his mouth were that was fucking awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, that's the same thing I said on the one with uh with Brian. You can actually hear my shutter go off in the video. I was taking <laughs> you know pictures the whole time, but I also knew that he wasn't looking at me. He was looking at uh Aaron Evans, the guide. So yeah. well, as horrible as it sounds, I was fairly certain in the upper ninety percent my ass wasn't gonna get eaten first. It was gonna be Aaron. Yeah. She had tunnel vision <laughs> on him. And you know, they say don't, you know, um, I mean, he started going, Hey, Hey, Hey. And I've heard, do not do that. Cause that can actually trigger him a bit. And, uh, Oh yeah. It triggered the fuck out of her. I, I, she looked like a sow. She's big sow. Um, yeah. and, uh, it ran right at him and at no time was that bear looking at me. So I'm like, I'm pretty safe. I will say at around yeah, you're in the clear. yard 11, 12, 13, I started taking a step behind the tree. In fact, if you look at the photos, yeah. you can see from 20 to you know, 13 ish, I was standing dead still. And then you can see the the photos start to get a different angle. Cause I'm starting to kind of creep behind a tree and, you know, like an idiot, I don't ever carry a gun. And, uh, my bow is like you know, six feet from me. I could have shot that thing 14 ways from Sunday, but I'd already shot a grizzly that year. But yeah, I was, people were asking me about grizzlies and I, you know, I message them back. I'm like, don't ask me or Brian, this is what's wrong with social media. <laughs> We don't know shit about grizzlies. Yeah. I know a little. You know, I've been, <laughs> I mean, up in the NWT and, and uh, 
you know, whatever, obviously in BC, I've been around them a bunch, but you know, Mm -hmm. not anything in comparison to, you know, you guys that live there, you're around them all the damn time. Yeah. And and even for people that live here, like I'll say, and I, I freaking roll my eyes all the time, just because you live in Alaska doesn't mean you know shit, (laughs) you know, it's, but the guys that really do get out a lot and, and spend the time out and are around these animals do know quite a bit better than your average, you know, Insta star. Um, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that is I, I did see Brian post that charge video. So I was like, I, I should still be up on my Insta story. You'll have to check it out. <laughs> um, oh, I, I saw up, yours. Uh, there was so, like six yards away. It was like right in front of you. No, it was, well, and that was with that, the old GoPro wide angle, that bear was one step off the end of my muzzle. <laughs> oh yeah. That's wild. But yeah, that was, that was one of them where if I would, if I, he that close, if I would have hollered at him, I'd have had to shoot him. Yeah. But I just, and that was a long time ago. That was like 2012, I think, but I've been. I've been milking that one for years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was surprised how many up in the NWT, how many bears there are. Good Lord. Cause they don't hunt them up there. It's their like spirit animal or some oh. shit. Um, huh. <laughs> good Lord flying. Like when we, you know, taking the helicopter into camp, you know, Jesus, they're everywhere. Um, Oh yeah. So, you know, in black bear, yeah, I was trying to let you look at the, you know, conversation you have with different people. For example, uh, Mark Healy's a surfer guy, right? Like, deep like he does these like crazy free dives and big wave surfing guy and i ran into him at the airport he was up in uh, alberta with us last year and Mm -hmm. i hate sharks right like not a fan of water (laughs) and i have no fear of bears like so for me to go out and see a bear coming into camp it's kind of cool it's like oh there's a bear in camp you know and if i have a bow and a tag it's even better because i don't have to go hike around for it but if you put me in water on a surfboard where there's sharks, I'd probably be shitting my pants where you take a guy like Healy, you know, he's used to the sharks where me, that's like the fucking devil, right? Like I'm like, no. Um, so it's really what you get used to or desensitized to like, um, you know, I've, you know, baited bears in other States before where they're kind of just sitting there waiting for you. You know, it's like you're ringing a dinner bell, you know, they're hanging off the bait waiting for you to feed them. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, no big deal. Black bears will get like that. Yeah, yeah, black bears. I've obviously never had a grizzly do that or whatever, but, um, you know, and I've had them climb up the tree below my stand, um, especially when you get a bigger bear come in and a little guy, you know, bigger bears usually don't, they won't climb trees as much. Um, and the little bear will go up the tree you're in sitting in the stand and you're looking down and there's a oh, little yeah. boo-boo four-footer like right below you and it's kind of cool taking photos where other people would shit themselves. So it's really what you just get used yeah, to. Yeah, dude, I've seen, there's... <laughs> say that there's the video uh i think it's one of the i think it's a hushin video and i don't know if they were just trying like but it's like called grown man cries in the bear stand and i don't know if they were just intentionally trying to play it up but there was like some serious tears shed after this bear tried to like climb this little black bear tried to climb the stand and then goes out and they end up shooting the bear (laughs) But emotions were running high. I was like, dude, you have not done much black bear hunting if you haven't had a bear try to climb your stand. So you, I don't know, usually one or two a year tries to climb the tree. I just huff at them, you know, that a lot of times you get more reaction out of them when you sound like another bear than 
than when you're just yelling at them or whatever. Oh, it Some worked. Bears, you worked. Could get, it worked for me this fall or this spring, huffing at them. Um, oh, yeah. Emptied the quiver just, on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, people are like, what That's do you mean? I do anytime. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go saying, ahead. You know, any time one of them black bears, you know, and you can kind of see the look in their eye, most of them, they'll walk up to your tree and they know, you know, I don't know, they know something's different and they get on their hind legs. As soon as them front paws hit the tree, I just give them a couple just, and usually that that run you know it won't scare them off but usually that gets them away from the tree they don't want to deal with me yeah and i i I gotta say like being around i've I've shot a a pile of black bears and uh you know the more you're around them you, you know the bigger bears especially it seems like in the spring become super arrogant like they're very they have, they're not a lot of the cares in the world. You know what I mean? Like when they get on, oh, let's say yeah. good feed, like, well, that one Frank shot, it postured up on him, stood like a gorilla, you know, Frank yeah. went to full draw and it was like, really, you want a piece of this? And opened up his chest wide open <laughs> and Frank shot him. And that, that one that I shot, uh, he was on like the greenest, richest grass, you know, like, like when the snow thaws and, and uh, when I had missed him, when he went into the wood line. Uh, I knew he didn't blow out, so initially I thought, well, I'll just wait here and shoot him when he comes back out. And he circled uh-huh. behind me, but I put black on um, on purpose. Oh, yeah. And, dude, when I charged over that hill, I was huffing at him, and uh, he was a hell of a lot closer <laughs> to me than I thought when I came over the hill. And so he – I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, thinking he assumed I was another bear initially till he started taking arrows. Um, and, and, and I've, you know, generally try and wear black – in those big open fields when I'm stalking, um, because I can't see, can't yeah, seem to I mean, see for shit anyway. used to seeing bears. Yep, exactly. But, yeah, did you see that video? I mean, sorry, did did you see that video of uh, my buddy Frank's bear that he, he ended up shooting him through the throat with his recurve as his first, you know, archery animal and his first bear that he actually killed. He guided a bunch of brown bears with this cinnamon black bear came in and he was one of those aggressive bears it's all posturing up and smacking stuff and he he I, we were in an area that i don't think they know what people are generally and because we're just sitting on the ground in plain sight and uh he he didn't get too aggressive but you could tell he was a freaking dominant bear oh no i didn't see that i'll have to how big a bear did it end up being yeah it was right about six foot yeah. He was a little smaller than I thought than I thought he was for being so aggressive, because I, and I think he was keeping a lot of the other bears off that bait. Because the next night my dad sat it, and they could see four or five bears at one time. They ended up shooting two, and then having to like they didn't want to shoot anymore that night, so they just kept running the other ones off to drag those two out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in that area where you went, not that I'm familiar with it, but from what you've told me, you're in BFE, like you're in the middle of nowhere, because that's quite a bit of a oh, yeah. boat ride too in there, isn't it? Yeah, it's it takes basically all day to get up there. Um, it's a long freaking trip. So, uh, yeah, you know, and, and as far as black bears go, you don't have to put that much for a guy that just wants to get a black bear. You don't have to get out that far i mean we just want it was kind of an experimental trip i wanted to do it just to see what it was like up there because i'd heard stories you know it's just absolutely infested with bears 
but uh, it's pretty pretty cool country and cool to see bears and mess around with bears that don't really know what humans are aside from seeing a boat go down the river every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, you've um you shoot obviously uh gun and bow, but you've killed quite a bit of stuff with your your you shoot a longbow, don't you? Um mostly a recurve. I kind of I had a longbow. The guy that makes my bows, um Neil Jacobson, um made me a long had to make me a longbow this spring cuz I decided for some reason I wanted to I wanted to kill a grizzly with a stone point. And uh so that's what I was shooting all, all this spring. And I, there was a guy from Utah that I had helped out moose hunting and he turned out he was a professional flint napper. So he made me three points and talk about a pain in the ass setting up those arrows. I mean, my draw length 32 inches. So I had to custom order these like 95 pound shafts, um, just to get them to spine close to right. But I ended up killing the, uh, it was about a seven foot black bear, like a 19 and a quarter skull black bear with the stone point. And then I, I don't know what happened aside from, I just made a bad shot, shot too low on this grizzly bear. And he, it didn't end up killing him. I got him back on camera, but that was pretty sickening. So I, I still got to finish that, finish that bit of business next spring. But after that, man, I'm freaking forever done with wood arrows. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, you've killed a, a few grizzlies with the stick, too, and moose, haven't you? Yeah, I've killed a couple moose with it, um, four grizzlies. Um, I don't know, probably 10 black bears and, you know, a pile of Sitka deer. I'm trying to, like, it's, I don't know, I get, over the years, I'm getting more into bow hunting. Um, I still love knocking stuff down with a rifle. But uh, my plan is to take my recurve sheep hunting this next year, so I probably won't get a sheep next year is what's going to happen, but it'll be, there's only one way to do it, and that's to not have a rifle around for me. Yeah, well, and I mean, having dove in, you know, with both feet, there's some, you know, hunts I don't want to say that are unattainable, but there's certainly, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's just harder you know it just takes more time with the recurve and not i mean a good example you know um a bear is not a bad one to do with the recurve turkey is another one that you know not a horrible mm-hmm. thing and even elk especially in certain situations but you know you look at um oh I, i'm pretty certain the mountain goat wouldn't have been a problem but i've been on sheep hunts helping guys that we had trouble getting it done with a rifle let alone, you know, oh, close, yeah. you know, getting the distance closing from instead of 400 closing inside of 40. Um, so yeah, yeah <laughs> it can be, a, it can be a pain yeah, in man. the butt. Oh, I know it's going to be. And it's just one of those things It could work out. Like I could kill one, the first stock, or it could be three or four years. Um, I mean, with a rifle, if you got, if you've got decent weather to work with, getting a legal Ram is a non-issue. Um, for me anymore. I mean, I just, if you're willing to work hard at it and you have weather, it's just not an issue. Not saying it's not a lot of fun and it's not really challenging, but, um, I don't know. I just don't, I'm out of room basically. And I don't have anything to prove. And I think it'd be cool to just go take it up to the next level and see, 
see if I can do it. Cause that's, you know, I've never tried to get that close rifle hunt and I don't want to be close to them. Yeah. What do you use? So freaking spooky. What do you use? And what's your sheep gun? Cause I know like, um, you get, you dive into a lot of different Facebook and social media posts on the whole caliber thing. Um, what, uh, what's your favorite caliber for sheep? Um, man, that's a tough one. I, uh, I guess I've got three. I um, a twenty-five out six is I've killed most sheep, with, most of my sheep with that, and it's a fantastic sheep caliber. Um, my favorite rifle is a custom one that my uh, buddy Steve built for me. He's got a little company, and uh, he uh, it's uh, based off a of Remington seven hundred, but it's like a it's a wildcat cartridge. It's a two eighty actually improved neck down to two seventy, and then. Uh, um, shot a couple sheep with that six five Creedmoor that everyone loves to hate, um, but I mean I think it's a fantastic sheep cartridge. I just Kimber just sent me one. <laughs> yeah, I mean there, it, I don't know that you can. You, I'll try not to get. I try not to get sucked into these stupid arguments because they're they're pointless. You know the, the cartridge cartridge debate. Um, I think a lot of you know the biggest one I hear is oh well. Well, you know, why use a Creedmoor when what's wrong with the 260? And I don't know. People just don't realize that that a lot of people don't realize that that 65 Creedmoor was designed as a competitive cartridge. You know, basically to have 260 ballistics squeezed down into a true short action cartridge for the rapid fire guys shooting bolt guns. Right. But that's a whole different. We don't have to get all into that. <laughs> now, I, well, it's the same thing with the arrow thing, right? Like I had to leave a couple uh, Facebook groups because I didn't have time to argue with people that don't kill anything. And, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get some comments about being arrogant, but it's the truth. Like I, well, you know, I didn't want to argue. I put a lot of arrows through a lot of different animals and I just didn't want to argue with guys that didn't have any hands-on field experience. Oh man. Yeah. You're, I mean, hit the nail on the head there, dude. I've been, I know I go through cycles of getting super pissed off at stuff I see on social media, just stuff in general that's out there. And I feel like I'm about to, you know, I can't pinpoint exactly what about what's going to set me off, but we're coming close to like blowing a gasket. Um, I did enjoy, I really enjoyed your series by the way, on that, you know, the, the different FOC perspectives and which kind of, um, segue broderick got a hold of me and uh and sent me some of those day six arrows of his and i'm pretty impressed with them so far man they're uh actually my dad got a spine tester because he's getting super nerdy about it and so i've been on a kick of met you know seeing how consistent all these different arrows spines i have that are in my two five gallon buckets packed full of arrows and those ones are by far like easily the most consistent and uh i don't know i tuned you know tuned them up they tune easy they fly perfect and uh i ended up with uh about a i think my setup's like 593 grains and i'm shooting right now with a 150 and i think that's the about the setup i want to use for sheep you know it yeah. seems like a pretty ideal what do you have a 150 point and then what insert up front um, I'm just using those outserts that, that Broderick 
has for his day six so arrows. You're pretty, um, you got like 30 grain. Uh, do you have the little center pin thingy dingy going in there or just the outsert? Um, no, I put the center pin thing in there too. So you're, you're right at 200 grains and I'm, I'm about 230 up front and that's, you know, for, I mean, what I, I, it's about the same system I shot in 16, um, you know, and the same thing I shot last fall when I, you know, hunting with, um, a little bit different. I actually had a little bit more point weight last fall or, uh, last fall when I first picked up the, the bow again, it was actually this spring really. Cause the, when I went back down there was February is when the rut is, but, um, I, by no, there are plenty of people that have killed more than me with a stick bow. I haven't done it that long, but I, I have been lucky enough to shoot, you know, 20, 25, 30 animals in a fairly short period of time with the stick and a lot more than that with a compound. And I, you know, I just don't, I like, I don't know guys, I just put an arrow together and shoot shit. Yeah. I don't really get that wrapped up. I, I worry about the components. So I get wrapped up around that. I worry about arrow flight. I my I don't have a percentage or anything up front in my brain about what I have to have other than I want to be around 180 feet per second. I want my point on to be around 40 and I want my arrow to weigh, you know, 560, 570 to, to 600 grains. And man, I, I, you know, I shot like that mule deer this, this fall, man, I blew that thing and broke the offside leg in half. And yeah, you know, that's on a, you know, 285, 300 pound mule deer, um, at a fairly, it's not, it's not this like four inches of penetration bullshit. <laughs> no. And, and that's the thing. Like I, you know, I try not to get involved too much, but coming from a guy that was shooting, 80 plus pounds and a 550 grain arrow out of a compound with a mechanical and getting about the same amount of damage or penetration, it, it, it does say a lot. And I'm not against mechanical heads in the right situation, but they do suck momentum like it's their job. And I've oh, yeah. passed through a ton of stuff with a stick where, you know, you, I mean, you see a lot of TV shows where you know, the arrows in there, four, six, eight inches hanging out out of a compound on a whitetail. And it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, the animal will die, but two holes are generally better than one. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I try not to dive into that. You know, the guys that are like, oh, I need at least 350 grains up front of my arrow. I'm like, well, why? Yeah. Can you, can you tell me why? Yeah. Like, and there's, I don't know, for me, there's two two sides to it like i i don't personally it's my however flawed it may be i don't think anyone shooting a 60 pound or heavier compound should ever not get a complete pass through or let me say complete penetration where your at least your broadhead goes entirely through the animal on uh, like a white tail sized animal on just about any shot angle quartering two straight on straight away i mean there's just not that much to them in, in the, the potential for, you know, if you use the right stuff, like you're going to shoot through them every single time with that powerful and efficient of a bow. Um, the other side of that is I, and I'll say that I do believe that that, FO, you know, high FOC makes, does make a good, uh, does make a difference in penetration. And I, I do, you know, I'm not like 
totally drinking Kool-Aid on it, go back and forth, just like you or anybody else that's really like trying stuff. But for it to work correctly, you got to have your arrows tuned and flying well. There's so many guys you hear, and the most annoying one to me is like, oh, well, you know, they, their arrow isn't tuned, but they're they're shooting and saying, oh, well, you know, that FOC helps them recover from paradox faster. It's like, no, it's it's helping it recover from a, your fletching's helping it recover from a bad tune is what it is, you know. I don't know, people don't understand that your arrow, the entire weight of the target, if you've got a well-tuned arrow, is is flexing and oscillating, you know. I mean, it doesn't, eventually it would come out of paradox, but... Well, you know what I, mean? I uh, good example. I took photos the other day. I was with Tom Clum, and we were doing. I was helping them out. They just were videoing my hand on release, my release hand, with a bunch of other guys for his his videos. And I've got a camera that shoots a very high uh, frames per second for photos. And so I was showing them the difference in a bad release on the paradox, meaning, mm-hmm. oh, on one shot. The majority of the flex was out of that arrow in 10 yards, meaning it was flying pretty close to, you know, the flex, it takes a bit for every bit of flex to come out, but meaning it was more or less straight. And then same guy, same everything, bad release, 26 yards out, it's fucking curved like three inches, like major paradox. And then... When what I was trying to explain is, um, you know, there's in a perfect world with a perfect release and perfect arrow flight every time, you are going to come out of that paradox relatively quick, um, or at least the, uh, the, the crazy initial flex of the arrow comes out fairly quickly, mm-hmm. better with a properly tuned bow. And, and these are my opinions, so take it for what it's worth. With extreme FOC, um, you know, it, it, it or, or big veins or, you know, everything, there are so many different combinations. What I try to get people to understand is if you have a perfectly tuned arrow, no matter what your FOC is, meaning 13% or 30, you're going to be better off than you would trying to mask it with heavier point weight. You know, because the idea is you want perfect arrow flight out of your, you know, coming out of your bow as good as you possibly can get without a band-aid. Oh, yeah. Without a fix because... Yeah, that's... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that's right on the money. And it's, you know, I I get your, you know, sometimes guys will say, oh, well, you know, that heavy FOC. And I think there's a lot of people that believe they don't have to tune their arrows that they stack a ton of weight up front because it looks because they're it looks like they're flying good um but it, you know and i don't think it's not quite like the rock the string tied to the rock and you you know, throw the rock you know but it's just because with the center mass more farther forward on that arrow you're fletching it doesn't take as much force for your fletching to steer the arrow so it you know it can recover from a bad tune a lot quicker but yeah man um I think no matter what your FOC, like as long as it's you got a good tune and your arrow's flying perfectly, um, that's going to offset a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And um, I don't, like, again, I just try to let people, 
I mean, my big thing is, hey, learn to tune your bow, learn to, or you know, learn to set up your bow, learn to learn to tune your arrows. The the key to victory is a heavy arrow, in in my opinion, as heavy an arrow as you can deal with. Uh, you know, losing yep. speed, and uh, but perfect arrow flight, and you're going to be fine. And that's you know, my FOC isn't super high right now, and I mean that mule deer I just shot wasn't it great distance. It was pretty close, but I probably had a 25 mile an hour crosswind. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and I blew through it, you know, I had two holes in it and it hit the offside leg and I actually bounced off it and came back. But, you know, like Matt Davis, I'll be interested to talk to him a little more cause he's shooting really high FOC and he has, a, he had some sidewinder shit going on with his arrows and I don't know, yeah. he was worried about his tune. And I was like, dude, I think it's the wind. Because when you have a, you know, 300 grain plus point and a 280 grain yep. arrow, that arrow is going to blow around really easy. And that point is not. So you're going to have a lot of sidewinder well, missile shit going on. It's just, it's just like using the cheater bar, you know. It's that same principle. When you have the center of mass of your arrow farther forward, you know, just like... It, it makes it easier for that fletching to correct your flight. Any wind catching that fletching is going to easier torque your torque the ass into your arrow. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Well, and uh, the other part too is I'm just too chicken to change at this point. Like, why? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm. You oh know, yeah. It, it, I shoot five inch feathers and guys are like, why do you do that? And I'm like, because I'm afraid to change. And when I started, Tom Clum shot four and five inch feathers. It looks cool. I like a long fletch. I don't need it. But now I don't want to change because it's like, good God, I'm blowing through everything and having good success. It's like, good Lord, do I really want to fuck with something else? Yeah, man. It's it, At a certain point, like, why fix it if, it if it's not broke, you know? I mean, I, I've been, I shoot veins out of my recurve because, well, for a few reasons, but... Uh, oh, I if mean, I lived up I've there, I would too. <laughs> Yeah, I've been shooting a freaking, you know, right heat, right wing four fletch veins for years, man. And like, I just don't have any reason to change. I had to shoot feathers on these damn wood arrows, which those, those stone point arrows are like 900 grains, my point. And I, I had to get, I got 34 inch shafts because my draw length's 32. And I, I struggle with finding arrows and why my foc set up on my recurves all generally just what it ends up being because i have limited options but uh yeah those arrows are like 960 grains my point on is like 20 yards with them oh yeah what what about on your on your uh but before you switched over that before you went to the wood shafts what uh what was your were you doing kind of a gap shooting point on system at that at that point or what uh, were you doing yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, and it's you know because I'm back to shooting shooting my regular recurve now, and with those uh, those air, those day six arrows that I tuned up, I my point on's like 44 or so, 44, 45, and I I say which remind me if I forget to you know another social media thing after I finish this little comment, but. They, uh, my, I shoot basically instinctive out to 20, yeah, 27 to 33 yards, somewhere in there. And, uh, as I get closer to my point on, I don't totally gap shoot, but it does, I do register where my point is at. 
and kind of conscious. I feel myself consciously lifting the bow um, to stay on target. And then once I'm out close to 40 yards, I pretty much totally just use the point of my arrow. Yeah, and, you're not too much different than what I'm doing. Pretty much same thing. No, no, and that, and you know, I was saying, see, because I'm I'm on this traditional bow hunter's Facebook page, and I don't know, I, I don't so many so much of that shit. I don't pay too much attention to anymore. See, lately, I've just been looking at it, and every day, some other guys is it's guys make posts like asking, oh, well, how many of you shoot this way? Like it's leading into that's the only. You know, oh, I'm really traditional because I, you know, because I only shoot pure instinctive and split finger, you know. It's like, shut up, man. Most of you people couldn't hit a freaking deer from 10 yards. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, and I know that, and I know I know that sounds super, maybe I'm sounding super cynical and, and like an asshole this morning, but it's kind of the truth, man. Like the average, I just don't understand why people refuse to shoot better. And maybe yeah. that's the wrong way to say it, but guys will use, oh, well, I just want to get closer or whatever is that are, are legitimate to some people, legitimate motivations, but they use those things as excuses to suck, excuses to not, you know, tweak their shot or find ways to improve their shots. Like, do you think the Indians cared that they were shooting a certain way? It's like, no, they probably shot however they shot best. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, yeah, I will say because I've mentioned a few specific people on the podcast or by name that have reached out to me to apologize or whatever when I've you know have have bashed me for whatever reason. One thing maybe using a rangefinder or you know sh- I shot that mule yeah. deer at forty yards or whatever. And that the thing I I I agree. There's certain people that should never shoot forty yards. Uh, there's also certain people oh, that yeah. sh- probably should never have a bow in their hand. There's people that shouldn't drive a fucking car. There's a lot of things that people shouldn't yeah. do, but they're going to. And m- I feel uh, you're in my job and people that maybe have some influence or people look at or look up to is helping people become more accurate. And one of the things I don't think is a horrible idea is a rangefinder in certain situations with a traditional bow may not be overly traditional but you're not taking a rickshaw uh to work right you're you're you know oh, it, yeah. it, if exactly. you want to ride that bull that way then by all means hop on the fucker but i personally like to hit what i'm aiming at and if there's something bedded at 40 yards i'd like to know it's 40 because i have to know exactly how far it is because that's my point on and i like yeah. to shoot shit and i like to eat it and so that's what i'm going to do yeah or you know or you know if you like some guy starting out like have him shoot uh, teach them or have them learn on a fixed crawl where you have a certain point below the knock that you hold your, you know, I don't know. Are you are, you know what a fixed crawl is, right? Oh yeah. 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 So I'm trying to think of a way to describe it so people know, but if you heard string walking where you hold, you hold the string at certain distances below the knock when you draw your bow so you can always use your point as a sight. Well, fixed crawl is just one spot that say from 15 to 25 yards, if you use the tip of your arrow as a sight, like a point on your arrow is going to be within, you know, a couple inches up or down of that point. So, you know, you can, it's, it's simple for someone to say, all right, from between this distance and that distance, all I have to do is aim. You know what I mean? You know, and there's, there's people that would like just, 
thrash them for that because it's not traditional. <laughs> you know, who cares? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And I, I mean, I've had people ask me at the end of a tournament, are you instinctive? And I'm like, I'm a little of both because, you know, I use my point, whatever. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, oh, is that is that bad? Did I did I do did I break a rule? Like, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's like, oh well, I beat you by two hundred points, so so I must be doing yeah, I must be doing something wrong. Uh, that's that's horseshit, and I can't stand that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. I uh, you know, and I mean, I you know, I'm learning stuff constantly every you know, every day. One of the funny things on this last year was, you know, it was, I, I got told the night before I could hunt the next day. So I had to throw the bow together, um, you know, shot some yeah. arrows in the headlights. And anyway, it was cold that night and I had tape around my clicker because I shoot a clicker and it wasn't really clicking. Uh-huh. And it, and I'm like, huh. So I, I cut some of the tape off and then lo and behold, it's not so cold. And I'm 16 yards from that deer and that thing clicked and that deer... <laughs> And, and I don't know. I don't always shoot on the click. You know what I mean? I use it as a draw yeah. check. Yeah. And uh, that thing clicked and it snapped its head in one way or another. I'm like, oh, I better let this thing go. And I'm like, huh, well, that's something to remember if, uh, you know, I'm going to have to reinvent the wheel and, and find a way to get this thing quieter, especially for whitetails in Alabama, uh, or even make it to where it's not audible. I'm just feeling it click. Uh-huh. Um. Cause I, I, for, for accuracy, that draw check really helps me. Um, but also, I mean, dude, thank God there was 25 mile an hour winds, or I think it might've been a different outcome. Cause it really, that deer couldn't hardly hear shit to begin with. And it heard that click. And I'm like, yeah, when it snapped its head, I bet without that wind, that head snap would have turned into an all out eruption out of its bed, you know? Oh yeah. The way, I mean, I've never messed with them with a bow, but the way you describe those white tails. I bet you that will make a big difference, man. That will, you know, it'd be, I, I'm interested to hear how, how you deal with that and what, and what happens with it, even though you're cheating by using the clicker according to some, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Which is funny. Cause you go back and, you know, history or whatever, you know, there was, you can read where, uh, talk about their broadhead hitting their finger. It's the same principle. That's a yeah. clicker, right? It's a draw check or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Which dude, I've thought about doing that. Um, getting my arrow set up to where, uh, whether it be the, you know, an outsert or whatever, when I draw to that, cause that would serve the same mm-hmm. purpose. You know, I'd have my, um, you know, that would be my draw check. Yeah. I had, I had, uh, I have to, well, and part of my, my struggle with such a long draw length, I had set up, you know, I shoot off one of those cheap bare rubber weather rests, which yeah. sounds, you know, counterintuitive, but you still, I mean, the arrows fly good if you tune them but I have to back it up almost like an overdraw for some of my setups and index my broadheads so they don't hit the shelf when I pull them into the shelf. Oh yeah. What broadheads do you shoot normally? Well, when you're not shooting um, Flint I've, steel, like Fred Flintstone. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've been shooting those grizzly single bevels for years. And I mean, I, I, I don't know the glue on stuff. I, uh, it takes more work to get them spinning right and on there all uniformly, but I can get them just like insanely sharp. Um, I mean, the last couple bear, well, let's see the last grizzly bear I shot, you know, he was quartering to me and I shot him right in the front, right through the front shoulder and he came out and stuck in the ground and could still shave with it. Um, 
I did just get a hold of a few iron wheels because for my my sheep setup, I think these day six arrows are going to be about what I was looking for. Um, and like a 590 grain arrow, it'll it's right in the range I'm looking for. So I got some 150 solid iron wheels, and they seem to fly perfectly. And uh, and the clums are going to send me some cutthroats. And so I mean, I have a feeling I'm going to be shooting iron wheels and cutthroats for the most part next year. Um, they both just fly phenomenally. And I, the single bevels, I can just get super, super sharp. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it, it's, I don't know, it's kind of simple. I don't, I don't get out and try as much stuff sometimes as maybe, maybe I should, but man, it just has been working great. So I haven't had any reason really to change until now. And, and the and both the cutthroats and the iron will are, are machined heads, and I think I'm going to get a little bit more, a little bit more precision out of those. Which, if my goal before I go sheep on, I want to be pretty deadly to 50 yards. Yeah. And I think I, I you know, I've I've been there before, and I can do it. And actually, I was when my release hand is under control. I've been shooting groups, you know, yeah, not, you know, I don't know definitely pie plate at 50 yards. So I think with a year to go, I think, you know, I'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see how that goes. I know I'm going to try and do a hunt. It may be with the Lancasters or I'd like to kill a, a doll with my, with my recurve. Um, I oh, my, yeah. kind of my, my main next year I'm shooting, I'm, I'm getting a, a come hell or high water. I'm going to get an antelope like that. I'm, this year, my my goal, as you know, I'm very goal oriented, and I about killed myself oh, yeah. getting a mule deer in the high country. So, in the mi- <laughs> in the mix of that, I was also sitting in a ground blind and doing some spot and stock for antelope, but I didn't put as much effort into that as I should have. So, next year, August fifteenth, my priority, whether it's ground blind or spot and stock or whatever, I'm getting an antelope with that recurve. I mean, if I I'm dying trying because yeah. it, dude, that is a hard one to get. Um, spot and stock and a little bit easier with the ground blind other than you might have a heat stroke but i yeah. uh that's kind of you know goal wise um you know i've got an elk with it um you know black bear i well whatever I've, I've i've got the list i'm checking off in in that antelope damn it is next and this year i about got it done um if the if i what you know what it was i'm stu i was fucking around with my camera taking pictures yeah. <laughs> and i took a picture dude you'd laugh i haven't told this because it makes me sound like an idiot it's right when I first got in the blind and I empty the stuff out of my pack so I'm not making noise and I grab my camera and I'm like I better take a couple photos just to have them because I might not later of the blind and the decoy set up I no shit take a picture of the decoy I go down to look and I have a wide angle lens on and I can see an Uh antelope buck in the photo in the other window I look up yeah and there's the buck, and of course, I'm sure he saw me moving, and he was standing out at 40 uh, or 41, and the moment he put his head down to feed, I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot. He was about three feet from that arrow when the arrow got there, and that was the only chance I had. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, have you ever tried calling him? Like, his bow season's during the rut for those mm-hmm. things, isn't it? Not, no, that's the problem, right? Like, if I, oh. if, if I wouldn't have had the mule deer hunt by the time they kick into the rut our mule deer and elk season is going on 
and you can call yeah, them and decoy them. So, and, and that may be what happens. I mean, after, you know, I do a high country mule deer hunt or something, I may, um, if I don't get one done, you know, earlier in the season, I may have to go out there and do it that way. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, take Frank with, have Frank call for you or whatever. I know guys like those, like those, I don't know what the antelope talk calls or whatever, the little plastic like, things with rubber bands. It's weird noise they make. Yeah, but they, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just knew a few guys when I lived down there that that did really well calling them at the right time. Now, granted, I was a kid, so I don't know what all those factors were. I wasn't right along with them. So, um, you know, like take it with a grain of salt, but. I think if you get the right time, it can really work to call them. Oh, yeah. We've, uh, the decoy and the call, I've had them charged from like 400 out to jumping Dude. over the decoy damn near. Um, you know, it's got to be the right situation, right animal. You know what I mean? Like, but oh, yeah. It does work. The problem this year, I had a tank coming into a water hole and I had the decoy set up and it was um, a uh, Montana. And, Dude, mm-hmm. talk about blind shithouse, just like no luck whatsoever. Um, the decoy blew over and the carbon leg snapped when the antelope was about 100 oh. yards out. And one leg held oh, on, man. so it was flying around in a circle like a towel. Needless to say, the the decoy did not uh, help at that point. And that oh, buck, <laughs> oh, dude, that buck was like, oh, what man. in the hell? And it kept running out and running back and doing circles like yeah. what? And then that, the finally the other leg broke and the decoy flew off. And then that, at that point, I'm pretty sure the antelope figured that that antelope couldn't fly and he got out of there. Something is not right here. <laughs> yeah. First he got, first he got gut shot or something. And the, oh man. No kidding. Um, well, are you still doing work yeah, with the uh, outdoor life? Yeah, man. I, uh, still doing actually my right, since they, they went through a restructuring this, uh, this past winter, which, has ended up i've gotten a, a bit more print work you know i used to do a ton of, you know well with you you know we used to do a ton of digital stuff um and still do some but a lot of you know i've got been getting more print work and then you know still running that although it's been a little slow this year been running that points north page on facebook and then i started my own podcast which isn't affiliated with outdoor life but uh i just felt like there needed to be some some sort of legitimate representation up here in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Well, just for everybody listening, so it's called uh, Points North, and uh, you can check that out on Facebook. And then your podcast is called Tundra Talk, um, and you've got that on iTunes and Stitcher and Podbean and everything, right? Yeah, I think it's pretty much on just, you know, I don't know of any, if, if it's not on a podcasting app i don't know what that app is <laughs> it's pretty much on everything and uh it's definitely it's fun it's a learning experience but just you know get around and you know I, there's some really cool interesting people up here that would never you know that would you know would just never be known or their stories or experience just would never get known otherwise i mean there's so many people up here that I think are way more experienced than three quarters of the, the Insta crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And you get that, you know, everywhere, obviously some of the greatest mule deer hunters I know they, nobody's ever going to know, you know, who they are. I mean, it's just how 
life is. And I mean, and social media is is really good in some ways of getting people into the sport. It's a great way for people to to, to see and and learn about hunting, but it, it also can be mm-hmm. you know negative and people go round and round about it. But it you know it is it is. I feel important. If you don't know what you're doing, maybe you shouldn't give advice. But including me, if I'm giving advice, I don't know about you, you should call me out and say, hey, don't talk about that or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, it is nice to see, um, you know, all the different avenues that people can learn from nowadays. Um, It is kind Mm -hmm. of an easy button. Like you and I had to learn the hard way. Um, You know, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have cell phones when I was a kid. Um, Yeah. So... You know, it's it's a it's push of a button now, and people can learn enough to at least get themselves in trouble to learn more. Oh yeah, man! It's I mean, I take it for granted now. You you got Google, whether it's like I'm not much of a mechanic at all, so any like mechanical car truck issues, I'm on YouTube, like <laughs> Google and YouTube to to figure out what the what the hell to do. But um, yeah, it would be interesting, like if I could look into the perspective of people that are, have grown up with that available, you know, even from hunting, you know, you need to know how to do this or that. It's, you can find something about almost anything, even hunting related on the old Google machine. So, you know, Oh yeah. It's not just, to say you still don't have to learn things the hard way sometimes, but uh, it's just crazy. You know, the potential is awesome, but also, with that comes the negative side too. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, and I get, um, I try not to show it online very much, but I do get a little Twitter pated about, Oh, again, example, like the Garmin zero site is, is a site that, you know, it ranges things for you or anyway, is this, is it bad? No, it's not bad. I mean, there's certain people, I, I understand the concept that it could potentially have less of a chance of wounding an animal, but I also think it's a really easy way out for people to not practice judging yardage, um, not learn, you know, the very important things about learning the sport of archery. Um, same with navigation, yeah. you know, a GPS, everyone uses one. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I think you should also be able to, you know, navigate. You should, you know, learn at least the basics. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of with you on that. I think sometimes you, some of these things, they they aren't bad in and of themselves, but it's, it makes it really easy to kind of paint yourself into a corner where what happens if, you know, all of a sudden you don't have that available anymore. And maybe part of that's kind of just like a nostalgic, oh, you should kind of pay your dues type of mentality. Um, you know what I mean? But uh, I agree. I mean, part of it may be just that, and I won't speak for you, but I'm just hard-headed and hate seeing people not earn earn certain things like you can you can't take an easy button with fitness you know what I mean you got to go out there and do it but gear that's the you know long as you've got money that's the easiest easy button to hit you can lingo talk to talk buy the gear but uh you know you're gonna have to learn animal behavior you're gonna have to learn fitness and, and that's where you do see a lot of the you know you see some gaps um in that kind of stuff oh yeah yeah. You know, field yeah. craft or I'm, woodsmanship, yeah. you know, you can read on how to build a fire all day long, but until you build one when it's piss and rain and everything else, reading and about it. you can't it's feel not, your fingers. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. I, uh, I was also building fires reminded me, and I was going to get into, I, uh, I can't, cause I can't remember if I've talked to you, got a chance to talk to you for more than five minutes since I went sheep hunting. But, uh, I was, Hey, I was very, very impressed with that musk egg. Um, I know we talked a little bit before, you know, cause I, I had some questions about it for you. I wasn't, I was wondering if it would even be big enough, but didn't have any issues there. And, uh, freaking pissed rain on me for two whole days hiking in and nothing got wet. So that was nice. But yeah, on the way, the way out from the sheep hunt, I got back to my four wheeler cause I rode my four wheeler ways and then hiked another, you know, nine miles to where I started hunting. And, uh, on the way out, my four wheeler got some moisture in the speedometer, which apparently controls everything. And, uh, so it was, sputtering and shitting out on me the whole way out and i was just so freaking pissed you ever get that where where you think you're you're done with a hunt and you mentally you're mentally done you it's like all right i can relax now and then shit happens and you gotta like try to get yourself back in the go hard mentality oh yeah yeah no i mean for sure even like changing a tire you've made it to the trailhead you've got that big sigh of relief you've got whatever and then next thing you know, you're changing a fucking tire at midnight when you should be taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I should be driving home the whole way. You know, I mean, I was just lynching the, or limping this machine out. And finally I had to stop at one point and I was just going to let it sit. I parked it where I couldn't see it, walked over, you know, on this gravel bar and cut some sheep steaks and got a fire going and fried, fried them up on a rock just because I couldn't stand I just had to take a break, which I've been struggling with too, because I'm like almost three months off Copenhagen and I'm coming into this like very antsy. It feels like I just quit yesterday kind of stage. Yeah, but, I, uh, uh, I'm i not at that level. That's, I, I just, I finally, I try, you know, I've talked like, oh, I'll wean myself off. I finally just had, I told, told myself, I was like, all right, after I'm done, after my sheep hunt, like I just got to quit. I had to quit cold Turkey and it was, it still sucks. I still, I dream about it now. Dude, if I tried to quit, like, I might punch a baby. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> oh, I, I totally under, I mean, people that people that don't chew don't understand when you say that, but I understand. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, people have told me it's, it's easier to quit heroin. That should tell you something about That's... how addictive it is. And I chew a can a day, man. I'm all fucked up. Oh, that's dude. I was I was chewing more like, a, not a can and a half a day, but more than a can, like way more than any human being should be consuming <laughs> of that stuff. And I was just like, I, I gotta quit, man. I I had to do it. And my wife was always be, you know, aren't you glad you quit? I'm like, kinda. Uh, well, Lander, he quit you a long know. time ago, and uh, he chews coffee grounds. And every time I open that can. It's like he's having a small orgasm. He's like, oh, oh. yeah, because he can smell it. And oh, then, dude, I'll, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, my, you know, it reminds me, and I, it just, it just sucks because it's always gonna be there. My uncle, you know, he always tells me that so, you know, he he quit like thirty years ago, and he's like, I could start again tomorrow. He's like, all you got to do is say Copenhagen, and my mouth starts watering. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully, I don't get. Uh, mouth cancer as I'm talking about. I need Copenhagen to sponsor me, damn it, if you're listening out there. Um, I tried chewing Grizzly for yeah, a while, yeah. which wasn't bad. Um, but 
I, you get to a point where, as you know, in life, whether you're scunning out an animal, uh, you're looking at maps, you're fletching arrows that you put a chew in and then, oh, yeah. you know, you don't have that. Even if you're maybe not jonesing for a dip at that point, it's just a physical addiction. Cause it's like, well, I'm, I'm on the computer editing. Yeah. I should have a chew in. Yep. Fl- yeah. And, and that's gotta be tough for you too. Dude, it's, and that that's the problem with me and why I just had to quit because, you know, people talk, oh, what's your triggers? What's not, like, I can yeah. name, you know, what's not a trigger maybe on, <laughs> on one hand, everything else, sit down, you know, start peeling, peeling the hide on something, sit down to glass, get in my truck, start working on something, you know, everything, everything was a trigger because I always had a lipper in, you know. Yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm in the same boat. I don't know. In some ways it has, it has gotten a lot better. Like I, I really only think about it probably five or six times a day and maybe like once every other day, I really, really want it. But I don't know, some mental switch flipped and cause I haven't the wall, the wall and the gas station doesn't talk to me, you know, like it, I remember it did a couple of times I tried to quit in the past. Um, yeah. You know, those cans just sing to you when you walk in the door. Yeah. That's, it, 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 I haven't ever like, found, I haven't found myself, just teetering on the brink of, of relapsing into it. But uh, I don't have to enjoy it. That's what I tell myself. You uh, know, I, I may not do, I may be willing to not do it, but I don't have to like it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, I just, I don't know. We'll see, man. I don't foresee me uh, quitting, um, nor if I tried in a long time. I, um, I, 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 I definitely feel I probably should start chewing something like grizzly or uh, longhorn or something with a, a little bit lower nicotine um, content because I, I, man, I think that'll, I think that, I don't think that does you any good because I think that, that shit, I know for me, that shit tore my mouth up way worse than <laughs> Copenhagen did. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if that I thought about maybe trying it that way, but I've chewed Copenhagen snuff for so long. You know, people like, hey, can I get a dip? And they're like, oh, snuff. And they can't put it in their lip. And I'm like, man, the fuck up. Are you kidding me? But I've chewed. No, yeah, for, that's, that's the grown up. That's grown up stuff there. Oh, and I've chewed for so long. And Harder was giving me shit. Well, he's like, Lander, did you see the size of the chews he takes? And, and they are. <laughs> bad it's it's a full-on three finger and a thumb um oh man and and then i i rotate though like the dentist told me you know that way my whole mouth gets cancer i i do top left yeah, top right that's what i was doing yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah well there's nothing better you got a giant uh lipper and up top uh the upper decker and somebody wants to have a conversation with you and there you are and shoes falling out of the top getting stuck in your teeth it's real professional <laughs> See, I never could master with snuff the upper decker. Like long cut, no problems. That stuff sticks together like nobody's business. But yeah, have you ever have you ever snorted snuff? Oh yeah, when I was in Germany, um, they had snus or whatever snuff, and uh, yeah, they had that, and and I and I because they didn't have Copenhagen, and so I tried that, yeah. and then you know they have that stuff called the General, and it doesn't have the carcinogens hmm. in it. And the guys at First Light were hounding me I should chew that because it doesn't have all the bad carcinogens in it, and you can chew that. Um, and they huh. sell that at the gas station. And that's something I've, like, asked. And truly, I mean, from everything I've discussed with people, like if you were going – like, for example, you were going to have a relapse, 
that is yeah. a good way to have a relapse because you're not going to have all the carcinogens in it. And so it's really no different than, I hate to simplify it, drinking coffee or something. Like it's not yeah. as negative as, you know, stuffing, you know, a quarter of a can of Copenhagen in your yeah, lip at one time. that's that. And granted, I'm careful. I'm treading carefully because it already makes me want to go try. I think I have in in a phase where I like switch to pouches for a while. I think I I did try that general that general snooze or whatever. I, you know, of course, I I would just end up putting four or five of them in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> well, that's what I did when I tried to do Copenhagen pouches. I ended up having two in the top lip yeah, and one yeah. in the bottom. I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah, you know all the way about all about that but uh i was gonna say because one time i i think i don't know what even made me think of it but i had had a little bit of copenhagen snuff left on my thumb you know and i'm like oh i wonder and granted it's not like the the old snuff box snuff that's like powder that you i was like yeah wonder what would happen if type of deal <laughs> so I, did I burn kinda, like crazy oh yeah dude i was sneezing and <laughs> uh, it was bad, but you want to talk about wake your ass up in a hurry. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> Mainline and that stuff. But yeah, not. I do not recommend doing that. And if you haven't started chewing, don't start. But <laughs> Oh, dude, I tell you what's um, the worst is when I put a chew in and my binocular harness is open, it falls in the eye cups, and then I go to throw them up in my eyes. Oh, I've had that happen oh, numerous yeah. times. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm always... My old bino, my old bino pouch. I finally, uh, I finally manned up and bought one of the Alaska Guide Creation ones this year. But my old bino pouch has like just a permanent dip stains on the, just, on the top lid. Dude, the seat of my truck is like that between my crotch. There's like a brown yeah. V between my legs from where it spills <laughs> out, and I, you know, flick it out from between my legs. Yeah. yeah. Same same thing. Looks like rub a, it in the rub it in the seat. Yeah, it's bad, but. Man, well, I, I should probably oh, get man. off the horn here, man. We've been on over an hour. That went by fast. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's good to we'll have to do we'll have to do more of these. Seems like the only time I can track you down, right? <laughs> oh, good lord, man. It's been bad. And I leave again here next week for Oklahoma, um, for whitetail hunting. So hopefully my, my string of luck continues and, and uh I put something else on the ground. So <laughs> I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, man. I'm I'm Oh, I'm sure you will, man. Like, you know, all the work you put into it, but yeah, I need to make it down there again here. One of these days, it's been a few years and I need to bring, bring my recurve down and, and see if you guys are really as good as you say you are. Well, yeah, we'll but. go over and grab Tom. <laughs> What's cool is that we're all right here. We can go over to golden shoot at the 3d course and South Cox, yeah. he lives just up the road. So in his crew, um, there are a lot, a lot of traditional guys here. And I, and I say that I, I would just, it would be a lot of fun to come down there and just shoot with you guys and get, you know, get some tips from the masters and whatnot. Um, it's handy. Haven't seen you around. I've been, uh, I've been just trying to rebuild my shot cause I didn't really shoot much this summer and it's, it's coming back together. But, uh, yeah, this next year planning on really, really shooting a lot and then, walk around in the mountains and come back without a sheet more than likely, but, but I'm going to try. So no, that'll be we'll cool, see. man. Well, cool. Well, everybody uh, t- check out it's points North. Uh, that's on Facebook. Uh, and, uh, to also check out Tundra talk, which is uh, Tyler's podcast, which you really focus on, obviously, you know, Alaska hunting and things like that, which is, is certainly something that you're not going to find on most podcasts. So. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's all basically Alaska stuff. Just, but I, you know, we try to like keep some useful information there that's kind of universally applicable. But yeah. Cool, man. Well, again, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll get you back on here, obviously, and I'll talk to you soon enough. Yeah, sounds good, man. Good luck. I can't wait to uh, to see how it turns out, man. All right. Take it easy. All right. You too, man.